The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. There's actually a model I coach people with that um, tries to help. It's one of the tools to try and help them get some clarity on what are you going to do next. Mm-hmm. And there's really three pieces to it. Um, and then the first is what can you do? We're all capable in a lot of different ways. The next is what do you want to do? Right. And that may or may not be the same as what you can do. <laughs> yep. You know? Um, and then the third piece is what can I make some money at? Or said another way, what meets the practical, pragmatic needs of my circumstance? Bill Kiefer is the president and chief advisor of Kiefer & Associates Limited, an advisory firm specializing in military veteran career transition, leadership coaching, strategic talent management, and professional speaking and facilitation services. Bill has coached, advised, mentored, and worked with hundreds of service members, veterans, and others around the world regarding career transition, leadership development, and performance improvement throughout his career. He also serves as a coach and coach advisory board member for the Honor Foundation, a nonprofit group providing career transition services to the special operations community. Bill is a senior human resources executive with over 23 years of professional experience in multiple large, complex global companies. Prior to these experiences, Bill served nearly 12 years of active duty service as a U.S. Army officer in a variety of command and staff positions. He was honored to present Investing in the Middle at TEDx Toledo in 2017. Bill is here today to talk to Lori about his forthcoming book, Military Career Transition, Insights from the Employer Side of the Desk, that will be released in July of 2021. I appreciate Bill's clarity on how to succeed in any transition, including your inevitable one out of the military. His take on networking, figuring out your next steps, and the three P's for interviewing are particularly enjoyable and enlightening. 
Your exit strategy deserves your attention and you need to be ready for opportunities whenever and wherever they happen. Welcome to the show, Bill. It is great to have you on the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Lori. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So I know your transition was a few years ago. You've had a very successful career since you transitioned out of the military. But I also know from what we talked about last time that it wasn't exactly smooth sailing. So tell us a little bit about your transition out of the military. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad to share. Uh, Number one, I would suggest nobody do what I did. Okay, (laughs) my transition was horrible. Um, It came with very little warning. Um, My career was going great. Um, I was on a promotion list and my family circumstance changed without warning. And I had to make a decision about life. So I had to decide, do I continue with this great career or quite frankly, do I kind of get as close to my kids as I could get? Mm-hmm. Well, the kids won and, you know, thank God they're all good, great folks. Uh, um, they, they're now married and off doing things and having kids and life is good. So, um, I walked into career transition thoroughly unprepared. I had no plan. I had no network. I had no money. I had no job. And I had no idea what I was doing. Bear in mind, this was before LinkedIn and Indeed and all the great online resources that exist today. So I was out literally reading newspapers and phone books and pounding the pavement and and it was hard because I am naturally a really big introvert. Um, I've learned how to get over that, but I am a huge introvert. So networking did not come natural to me. Um, the other side of that was I was pretty sure I was a pretty hot commodity. I was educated. <laughs> I was experienced. I, you know, I commanded a couple times. Um, I've been all over the world. I thought, who wouldn't want to hire me? Hey, guess what? Nobody, you know, yeah. if they didn't know about me. Why would they hire me? Right. So um, I stumbled along and sort of learned how to network and eventually connected with somebody who knew somebody that knew of an opportunity, which, by the way, is how it actually works. You know somebody that knows somebody that knows about an opportunity. It's second and third tier networking is what lands you the great jobs. My first job was as a deputy director of economic development for the county I lived in. Um, a friend of a friend was a county commissioner who knew of the, uh, the opportunity, mm-hmm. thought I might be a good fit. I interviewed with the board, things went well, and I landed the job. I didn't have any technical skills. I didn't even know what jobs like this were supposed to do. I didn't even know they existed. But they saw beyond the technical deficiencies and thought, you know what, I can walk and I can chew gum and I can articulate a sentence. <laughs> I'm pretty organized and I can do math. Um, and it was a nice fit. So I stayed there um, less than a year because I continued to network and continued to seek new opportunities that were a better fit. And we can get into that, I guess, a little later if you'd like. Or okay. Whatever. Well, you know, you talk a lot about networking and I know you've, you know, you attribute your career success, much of it to networking. So how, as a fellow introvert, tell us a little bit about how how did you get started networking after the military and how did you use networking to get into those roles? Yeah. Um, I, I think how I got into it was really, I was kind of backed into a corner and I knew, I didn't see any other way out. It was very clear to me that if I didn't know people, I wasn't going to get a job. Mm-hmm. So not having a job wasn't an option. Um, so I kind of had to face the demon 
and go out and learn it. And I stumbled. I was clumsy. I was horrible. I did all the things that everybody, you know, hi, I'm Bill and I really need a job. Well, that's compelling. That, that builds a, <laughs> a better relationship. Um, but I found that with each networking um, interaction, I learned something and I got a little bit better. Um, so folks in career transition, um, networking is the key. Mm-hmm. But if you're not good at it, you got to start and you got to accept that you're going to have some window of misses up front. I would suggest start that as early as you can possibly start. Yep. So you get it out of the way. And when push really comes to shove, you're pretty well skilled at how to network, how to go introduce yourself to new folks. And, you know, now when I coach folks, I talk about networking. I, I actually start with what is networking? What is it? And there's a lot of different definitions out there. Um, my IT folks, you know, my IT colleagues tend to have a different, an entirely different uh, definition. But what works for me is a definition of networking is that it's simply a conversation with a purpose, not just chatter. It's not just banter. It's a conversation with a purpose. Now, I think really um, there's two purposes. There's the overall purpose, which for folks in career transition is to, you know, find a job or a career. And then there's the purpose for the particular interaction. So let's say now in a post-COVID world, we might uh, actually get out and meet with people again. When you're going to go meet with people, what is your purpose for that day? What is your purpose for that event? And you could start off really simple. My purpose today is to just get practice in shaking a stranger's hand. My purpose today might be to practice my elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Or... It might be, I've seen the roster of attendees and my purpose is to meet this person from that company to do what? To get an informational interview, to follow up on an opportunity I heard about. But if you don't have a clear purpose, it's hard to network effectively. It's really just kind of conversation then. Um, In terms of where do I start? What I've found is I start with me. Mm -hmm. I can understand who I am, what am I bringing to the party and what's what's my purpose? Right. Which is kind of covered. And, and your target, start, right? Right. You also have to know that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And then I go to people that I know. Now, they're not going to probably have the job. Maybe they will, but, but I get comfortable practicing. Mm-hmm. So just shake a friend's hand. You're going to laugh at each other and go, wow, this is silly. But it gives you an opportunity to practice in a relatively safe training environment, if you will. Right. And then I ask them who they know that I might practice with. So now I'm not talking with people I know directly. It's folks that they know. And then I go practice a little further with them. And I ask them for who they know. Mm-hmm. I just work my way. Think of concentric circles. I just keep working my way out until I'm networking with people. I have no idea who they are, but I know my purpose. I know what I'm trying to, one, get out of it. And two, I know what I'm trying to offer. Because I know sometimes with networking, people think, well, it just feels kind of manipulative. And for me, I don't, I don't, I don't believe networking is manipulative at all. Um, it's a matter of intent. To me, manipulation is I'm going to come in and do something for my benefit alone, and I don't really care what happens to you. Mm-hmm. That's not networking. Networking is about bringing something to the table to help answer a need that you have, but also to offer something to the other party. Right. That that offer may be complex or it might be simple. But for me, getting past the perception that it's manipulative is all about understanding what your intent is on top of what's your purpose and who am I going to talk to and all that. 
And you know, I will say that if you have ever helped someone connect to a role because of networking, because of a connection you made, if you know that feeling, you also know that giving that feeling to someone else and letting them help you is also a return of value to them. It's very rewarding, isn't it? It really is. You know, a, a very good friend and mentor of mine who I've known for years um, picked up the uh, be a go, go giver phrase. And he said, in networking, it's really about that. I mean, in career search, you've got to be a go-getter. Mm -hmm. You know, I say that, you know, your career transition moves at the pace of you. If you move quickly and thoroughly and effectively and efficiently, that's going to move quickly. Uh, if you just kind of don't really do it that diligently, it's not going to move so fast. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about being a go-getter. It's about giving something back along the way. And that give back may be a simple ask of what can I do for you at the end of a conversation? Or it might be something a little bigger and more complex. You know, I've never landed a job without networking ever. So right. um, it, it's really important that everybody understand that it's not about the get, it's about the give. And that's a hard conversation for or concept for people to sometimes understand. Yeah, absolutely. I think that almost always when I have a conversation with someone that I've never met before, we ask each other, how can I help you, mm -hmm. right? And what, how can I help you as well? And it's always that give and take process. And, you know, I think, again, it's like, as you said, it's going out with intent and also going out with the sense of, let me see how we can be of value to each other. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there's got to be mutual value and there's got to be mutual respect. I think the other thing that's important for folks in career transition uh, to realize that most people really do want to help. They, they really do. They do. But if you're not clear about what you're um, searching for or what your purpose is, they don't know how to help. That is um, so true. So, I say that all know, the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oftentimes I've talked with folks and they said, you know, um, I'm, I'm really looking for career transition uh, help. And well, what kind of help do you need? What are you looking for? Well, I can do anything. <laughs> and as you know, my years being a senior HR uh, leader, um, I've developed this phrase that maybe sounds a little harsh, but um, I say, you know, if you tell me you can do anything, I have nothing for you. I don't hire jobs for anything. I hire people to fill specific jobs with particular things that need to get done in a particular way. Um, so when you're networking, when you're introducing yourself to new people, um, you need to really um, understand that people are willing to help but you got to help them help you. And having right. some idea makes all the difference. You know, so, well, I'm really looking for a, um, an operations management job in a manufacturing kind of industry. Now I can do something with that. Right. As opposed to, you know, I just did 22 years in the air force and I just, I I'm capable of a lot and I can do anything. My head just turns off at that point. Yeah. Obviously, this person doesn't know what they want, and I'm not sure how I can help them, right? Nor do I have the time to try and draw it out of them. Right. So, I have business to run. Yeah. I love that. I, I want everyone to hear this networking with intent, like having a purpose to your conversations. I think that is so important. So, I, and it's one of the things that I try really hard to get service members to avoid saying, I'm a jack of all trades, because what's the follow on to that, right? master of none. It means you're really, your, your um, skills are an inch deep and a mile wide. Right. And yeah. I don't, people don't want that. They don't, you know, so instead of saying you're a jack of all trades, say I, I 
learn quickly and I adapt to new situations and I want to use those skills to go here. Right. So have that intent. That's so important. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's actually a model I coach people with that um, tries to help. It's one of the tools to try and help them get some clarity on what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. And there's really three pieces to it. Um, and then the first is what can you do? We're all capable in a lot of different ways. The next is what do you want to do? Right. And that may or may not be the same as what you can do. <laughs> yep. You know? Um, and then the third piece is what can I make some money at? Or said another way, what meets the practical, pragmatic needs of my circumstance? So, you know, I can't even think of a great example at the moment, but you know, I've had folks that come in and say, you know, I want I want to do this and I'm capable of all these. I do have an example. Um, years ago, I had a, uh, a young man, uh, Army veteran, mm -hmm. um, had been a helicopter mechanic, and he wanted to do that work in Toledo, Ohio, for family reasons. I said, great, go search the job boards and do a little homework and see how many jobs there are in that vein. He came back and he goes, there aren't any. I go, I know. There's no rotary wing uh, aircraft population here other than some life flight kind of things. Right. So what's going to give? Is it going to be the type of job or the geography? And he goes, okay. So he knew what he could do. He knew what he wanted to do. And then he realized what those two things were didn't match his, the practicalities Location. of the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had to have a discussion and find a new course. He landed a good job. He's happy. Life is good. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. What can right. you do? What do you want to do? And what's going to make you some money or meet your practical requirements? And I think that where you want to do it is important also because, you know, I, I want to work for a military contractor and I want to be in a location where there is no military base. That's not going to work together, right? So Absolutely. doing that location research, that labor market research into where you want to live before you move there and Absolutely. then get there and can't find a job. I've seen that happen as well. So Well, and I suggest to folks, you know, uh, along that line. If you want to be a tuna fisherman, you don't go to Lake Erie. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know I, I want to talk today about your book. I want, you are about to release a book called Military Career Transitions, Insights from the Employer Side of the Desk. Mm -hmm. So I want you to tell us about it. Tell me what inspired your book and just give us a quick overview of it. I will. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about it. I am super excited about this because it's in some ways a culmination of years and years and years and years of work. Uh, the inspiration was I had a horrible transition mm -hmm. and I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Um, second inspiration is I've spent years on the employer side of the desk being the guy or leading the team of men and women who, quite frankly, veterans and other candidates have to get through to land in our company. Right. Um, so I see too many jobs go unfilled and too many veterans that go un or underemployed um, because they don't understand what they're up against, you know? And then the third is just as, an, as a, my experience as a coach working with veterans. Um, I, like I said, I just want them to be well-prepared um, to understand the battlefield, the career battlefield, I call it, that they're about to enter. Mm -hmm. So um, there's about 150 insights that I've gathered over the years that I've organized in a few different sections um, general business insights, culture, networking, um, uh, talent acquisition, recruiting, um, and interviewing. And I take kind of a conversational, some of it's pretty lighthearted. I put some stories in. Some of it's a little more, you know, here's how this works. Tick, 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 tick. 
-hmm. but I'm also pretty practical about the advice, um, the guidance and the insights. For example, I've got something in there that says, you know, you may think you're the best candidate, but if the CEO wants to hire his cousin's friend, guess who's getting hired? Right. That's just how that works. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the idea here is to put together a lot of answers to a lot of questions that I hear over and over and over from new folks who are new to the transition environment and have it be a resource before they land in that environment. You know, the military doesn't send you off to do your job, go to combat without training you. Right. There's a tremendous gap in the preparation of our veterans, our service members before they get to the job market. So I'm trying to help in whatever way I can with this. Okay. Um, so in the book, you talk about the fact that it is the service member's job to adapt to the private sector, not the other way around, right? They're not going to adapt to you. So let's talk a little bit about that and the role that the service member plays or the, the, the job that they have in this process. Sure. I came out and figured, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty hot commodity, you know, I'm educated, <laughs> experienced, and I'll be of great value to any organization. Uh, well, that's pretty egotistical. And not that all our veterans and service members have big egos, but we're highly confident, right? And we hear a lot, there's a lot of noise goes in our ears about how great value add you're going to be, what a great value add. Well, you're only a value add if you're going to fit well in the culture. Right. Now, I think about this, and, and, and when I coach folks, I go, when you went to the military, you went through some manner of basic training. Enlisted or officer, there was some kind of basic introductory course, and it was weeks long. And the idea wasn't just to teach you about the technical kibbles and bits of your job. The idea was to get you to understand the culture and the norms and the expectations of the organization. You had to change to join the military. Yep. The same logic applies coming out. The difference here is there is no standard global basic training for everybody that's joining the civilian work world. <laughs> You're kind of on your own now for the first time. There's a lot of folks out there trying to help. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, But if you don't reach out and connect with the right people to help, you're kind of on your own. So I, I, it always um, surprises me that people kind of miss connecting the dots between, ooh, I had to change to join the military. Well, guess what? You got to change to join the civilian world too. And it's not a bad thing. No. It's just about adapting to a new environment and coming in with, uh, leading with your best attributes and leveraging your capabilities to do what needs to be done to fill the needs in the civilian. Now, employers have some things they need to do too. Right. You know, 93% of the population never served in uniform. And only, what is it, about 1%, I believe it is, um, of the population currently uh, join the military. So you've got a population of folks in the employment world who have not done what we've done. You need to understand that. And to the extent that you can help them improve their perceptions and maybe overcome some bias by being a value adding member of their team. Great. You're going to make it better for you, the company, and for those folks that are going to come behind you. Yeah. The future veterans. Yeah. So, and I would say that the tighter you hold on to that military culture, the more you're going to struggle. I see a correlation there often, right? Absolutely. I talk about that in the book too. I said, you know, it's how do what's your self perception? How do you see yourself? Are you still Sergeant Major Jones or Captain Kiefer or General Jones or Private Snuffy or who are you in your mind's eye? Because if you are still that person, that's not who the employers are hiring. Right. Employers are hiring the one that can do the work they need done that's going to fit well and add value. 
to their culture. That that's who they're hiring. So you may still think you're, you know, Johnny service member or Sally service member, but you better figure out how to articulate what that means in terms of the employer's value proposition. At what point do you think a service member, an active duty service member should read your book? Do you think it's years before they get ready to transition? What would be best, do you think? Well, when I coach folks, I tell them um, they need to start thinking about actively thinking about making part of their routine, uh, their daily routine for transition, um, 18 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. I think they should read my book often and they should have many copies available to share with their friends. (laughs) 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 No, I think, you know, this is, this is, you can't cram for this exam. Right. Um, There's a lot of things you need to learn about how to get out of the military, about how, how transition itself works. You've got to learn about yourself. Who Mm -hmm. are you? What do you bring to the party? How do you define success? And none of that happens overnight. So I consider it um, a little bit like investing for retirement. The little bit of deposits that you make along the way um, accrue and they begin to grow and build interest. And, you know, a couple of years out is not too soon uh, to start doing that kind of work because the little bit more that you learn every day is going to refine your decision. Uh, and say, you know, I think I want to be a project manager. I don't know what that means. So let's go figure that out. Ooh, well, it means the different things in different companies. Well, I think I like this about it. Ooh, let's look at those kind of companies. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. So I would say 18 to 24 months, months out at least. And plus you're still doing a job. You're still deploying. You're still going TDY, whatever the case may be. And so you do need to have set aside some time every week, even if it is, you know, three years away, two years away, just take some time to figure that out. That will increase your level of success. And, you know, I, I always say like, I want this podcast in the ear of active duty service members that haven't even put paperwork in yet, because I want this to help them like prepare for the obstacles that they're going to face. So if you're listening right now, tell three friends because they need to probably know that this is out there and it doesn't even have to be three friends that are transitioning. It should be people that are actively serving because they need to start thinking about these things because God willing that everyone will have a career after the military. Your service will come to an end, right? The uniform will yeah. come off someday. It will. And so there is higher tenure that will catch up to you eventually. And yeah. so you've got to prepare for that. So. So and if you think about that, you know, preparing for a known date is one thing, but leaving when you're unprepared, like I was, that's a whole different thing. And that's a scary right. circumstance. So if you make preparing for transition part of your regular life routine, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I would have left with a little more money. Maybe I would have left with some idea. Maybe I even had a resume. Right. You know, something. So, yeah, early and often. Yep, you know, absolutely. Little, little deposits over time. Yeah, I think that's great. It, it, comparing it to preparing for retirement, I think, is a, is a good way to look at it. Um, also in the book, you give us two reasons that employers hire. So mm-hmm. I, I have a little little different approach to the two reasons, but I do the same thing. Two reasons people hire. So tell us about your two reasons and how can service members kind of work with those reasons? Okay, no, great question. Um, and the model that works for me, the, the two reasons are really, really simple. And I didn't just make these up. Um, this is based on, you know, 
a really bad transition, learning it the hard way, and then serving 22 years in big companies. Yep. Says, I'm going to hire the person who best demonstrates that they are one, the best able to do the job that I need done. Mm-hmm. And two, that best demonstrates that they're probably going to fit well and add value to the team. Right. That's it. Everything else I do is trying to collect evidence and information to help me answer those two questions. You know, at the end of the day for employers, who do I hire is a business decision. It's not a love fest. It's a business decision. And I think for um, folks in career transition service members in this case, but anyone, it's helpful if you try to take, and I know it's hard, but try to take the emotion out of it and make it a business decision. What's the decision I need to make? What are my criteria? In this case, there's two. Mm-hmm. Um, can you do the work and are you going to fit in? Okay. So that's really how it boils down for me. Now, knowing that, how do you best prepare for it? First, we kind of touched on start now. Start understanding who you are. What do you bring into the party, good, bad, mm-hmm. and otherwise? Mm-hmm. How do you define success? Start exploring those kind of things that are interesting to you. You might start with things like job titles. But you might realize that, you know what, I love being out in nature. I, I, just, I love to fish, for example. You know what, there's jobs out there in the fishing industry. Um, you know, perhaps someone likes gardening or they like to write or, or they like motorcycle, you know, whatever it is. Look beyond just job titles on the job boards and figure out what do you like doing? Right. And it keeps your eyes and ears open to understand that those things are out there. Once you start getting to a point where you found interesting things, do all the work you can do to learn as much as you can about those things. Connect with people that are doing that work. Talk to hiring managers, talk to companies for postings. Maybe they don't have something right now, but they're going to give you information that's going to be valuable either today or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then as you learn all that, start identifying what's important to you and how you tell your story in a way that's going to land well on the employer's ears. Because you may truly be the best capable to do the job, and you may be the person that's best going to fit. But if you don't tell that story in a way that the employers can hear and understand, somebody else is going to get selected. Right. You know, I tell people I was a 90 Alpha 5 Papa 3 Romeo in the Army. (laughs) And, and they, they do say, that. They, God bless they you. Right <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but if I go in and say, look, I was a logistics leader in light infantry units um, for airborne and other um, customer units, because, you know, I was a support guy. They were my customers. There's a mm-hmm. civilian term. Um, and I start trying to put it in civilian work terms. Now, all of a sudden, I've got the employer's ears. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I would break it down even further, right? So I uh, led a team of 150 warehouse and supply chain professionals that supported an organization with 5,000 members. I helped them move 62 tons of equipment each month. Or what you know, I mean, you to mm-hmm. put some, I like give them an idea of like the scope of what you've done. And I think that's really important. Yes, 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 absolutely important. And I think there's a really important piece to follow on with that. And this goes to resumes, it goes to interview uh, Mm -hmm. answers, there's a lot of stuff is, you know, as the employer, the interviewer, the person making the decision about whether or not you get to join my team, I listen for a couple of things, the what's and the so what's, okay? Mm -hmm. What did you do? It's a matter of scope and responsibility. And then there's the so what, what's the result? 
So, and oftentimes I see folks come out and they've got great big titles and they've got great big responsibilities and I don't see so much about the so what. Right. What was the result of all that big stuff? Um, and most interview folks, most folks in the hiring process, are they're pretty savvy. They may or may not be experienced um, all equally, but they know what they're there to do. And especially early in the process, their focus is to screen out people, not to invite mm -hmm. people in. Yep. So if you're in an initial round and you talked about responsibility but no results, and you've got somebody goes, well, no results, gone, six seconds. Now I'm on to the other 300 people that applied for the job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. Like the so what? Like the how did you add value? What what were your accomplishments? The so what is so much more important than the what. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's important to tell the what and the scope of what you were responsible for. But your resume, your LinkedIn, your interview answers, they shouldn't read like a job description. It should be a, like, here's, here's what I accomplished. Here's how I added value. Here's how I made changes yeah. so that they can see and really start to picture the value that you can add to their organization. I'm going to tell you my two reasons that yes. I always tell people. All right. So they're pretty similar. But I'll tell you that companies hire because they have a need to fill, which is similar to yours, right? Yep. Or right. a problem to solve. Yes. Right. So it's really those two things. Like I have a problem. I need someone to come and fix it or I have a need that I need to fulfill. And that job seekers responsibility, if you will, is to research each organization and see if they can find out what are their needs, what are their problems and how can I, like you said, tell the story of how I can fill that need or solve that problem through the experience where I've already done that in the past. Yeah, no, absolutely. The idea of uh, coming in to fulfill a need or solve a problem, I think is huge. Yep. Um, and it, it's my mindful of another model I use. Again, a, a great mentor of mine shared with me. He said, your mindset as you go into interviews, applications, networking has got to be very positive, right? Because, you know, people see negativity. They see when you're yep. beaten down. They see when you're... So you go in with the, these three Ps. First one, I have no problems. Second one, I cause no problems. <laughs> and the third one is I'm here to solve your problems. And then you can have the discussion about what those issues are and how you've demonstrated success in the past to convince the employer you actually can solve those problems. Mm -hmm. I like that. That is important, right? And, you know, everyone has troubles, right? Everyone has issues. Sure. But I always say, like, take those off like a coat and hang them outside of the interview because you cannot go into an interview talking about those problems. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, you when it's game time, you gotta you gotta put on game face. That's right, absolutely. You know, and, and trust me, I when I, I when I've been in career transition, there's been more than once, a military to civilian, then between civilian jobs, I, there are some dark days. It, yeah. it can really get to you, mm -hmm. uh, and you need to deal with that. But when it's time to engage with people put on your game face. Like you yep. say, take that coat off and hang it outside. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, yeah. I feel like you and I could sit here and talk for hours and hours, but that, that might, you know, people might get tired of listening to us. So I'm just going to wrap up everything. <laughs> so with your own transition and all of the experience that you have coaching and working with service members, mm -hmm. what are some of the really important kind of lessons learned, if you will, that you'd like to share with us in closing? Yep. I have uh, four of them actually. Okay. So, okay. First, career transition can happen with or without warning. When mm -hmm. I left the military, there was very little warning. Um, I've seen thousands of people 
get downsized or reorganized out of organization with zero warning. Right. They come into work, um, they're handed a check, they're allowed to get their stuff and they're gone and it's over in 15 minutes. So career change can come with or without warning. Your level of readiness to deal with the career change depends entirely on you. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. This is all about you, maybe for the first time in your life and professional career. Um, similar to that, the second point is nobody cares more about your career than you do. You have to be your own chief marketing officer. You have to be your own operations manager. You have to own your transition because quite frankly, nobody else will. Mm-hmm. The third point is that you can and will succeed. You know, unemployment runs only what about 6% overall um, in, in the United States. That means 94% of the people out there that are willing and able to work are working. You'll land, it'll happen. Yes. Okay? It might be a long road, it might be a tough road, it might be a foreign road, but you're gonna land if you do the work, you'll get there. And then finally, like I said earlier, most people really do wanna help. You know, help them help you, let them help, okay? Be as clear as possible about what you're trying to get done and the, the world will reach out to you. Okay. I love all four of those points. I think those are all really valuable. I, I would just add, you know, you talked about being ready, being prepared, right? And I will tell you that, yes, you need to be prepared for your transition, but from here on out, I want you to be ready at all times because you just never know what can happen, good or bad, right? So uh, an opportunity might fall in your lap. Um, a, a company might go under, you, you just never know. And you want to always be ready have that, you know, always be networking, even when you land a job, continue to build a network, right? And, and connect with Absolutely. people. And also have your resume ready to go, keep your LinkedIn updated, keep your connections current. So those are really important things. So and, you know, be your own career manager. That is great advice, because no one's going to do it for you. I know, you know, in the military, you have that, you know, that sergeant that, that who is or the career manager or whoever it is, that's kind of watching over you and helping your career along. And that's not necessarily always going to happen in the private sector. So you need to be out there and be your own career manager. So uh, that was great advice. Thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us, your experience and telling us a little bit about your book. I can't wait to get a copy and we will put some information in the show notes, which you can access on the Lessons Learned for Vets website at llforvets.com. And you'll find the show notes for Bill's episode and link to access the book. So thank you so much, Bill. Great, Lori. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, Keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.